It is my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. We got Jeff and Marissa here today, and we're going to do another session of rapid fire seven questions from you, the audience, about being a digital nomad. We've got some really, we've got some really informative stuff. We've got some really funny stuff in here. We got all kinds of random stuff. And the way that we do it is we don't look at the questions beforehand, and then we just answer them. <laughs> on the fly. So fortunately, we've done this long enough where we usually have some sort of response to these questions. But a lot of times, <laughs> it's just kind of us responding to especially some of the goofy ones. But before we even jump into that, Marissa, this is really, really important. You went to a witch, ret witch retreat in Mexico City <laughs> the last time that we talked, and we promised that we were going to talk about said witch retreat and some of the activities that happened there. <laughs> So the floor is yours. Please educate me. How was it? I love that the name that you give it changes every time. And now no, it's been the same every time. Witch, just a full on witch retreat, yeah. which I love. I think I might start a witch retreat soon. That sounds great. But it was actually, so I was chatting with Diego earlier. You missed a little bit, but it was one of the hardest things I've actually ever done. So honestly, I was sitting there debating and I'll explain why, whether our five day ayahuasca retreat or this was harder. And I think wow. this was harder. I, I almost would have rather have been back in our five-day ayahuasca retreat. And that says a lot because <laughs> that was lot. probably one of the f hardest five days of our lives. So Easy. to give just like uh, just a super quick rundown and maybe someone else is listening to this for the first time and has no idea what we're talking about. I was in, I flew into Mexico City and drove about two hours out to the countryside, like into the land of farms and hills and mountains in Mexico, which was really beautiful to do this like release. I would call it a really sacred event. There was no pictures taken, like nothing allowed. Like if you were in it, it is not shared outside. So I actually feel like I don't even want to say too much weirdly. But the short of it is that what I have said before was there's it's it's four nights. It's a moon ceremony, not a witch retreat. <laughs> but yes, just and I also thought, okay, so there's there's four nights. You only drink water and eat honey. That was that was true. You do I didn't realize, I guess I should have, it was a moon ceremony. I just didn't know too much before. You stay up the entire night every night. So you do a Temescal ceremony. So do you remember when we were in Bolivia at our ayahuasca retreat, we did this sort of like an igloo sort of feeling where you have like hot, you bring in these hot stones that have been sitting in a fire for hours and you pour water on it. So it's sort of like a, like, almost like a sauna, like an outdoor sauna, but it gets so hot where if you remember Jeff Juan, who was our shaman, when he was telling us about this, he said, if you feel like you're going to get too hot and you don't breathe or, you know, you can't breathe. You and I thought he might say, you know, just go outside for a second, you know, until you're good and come back in. He said, do not leave. Like, if you feel like you're going to die, do not leave. Put your face in the ground and breathe in through the grass. Do you remember that? Do, do I remember being in the seventh ring of hell for two and a half hours <laughs> that you really asked me? Yeah, I remember every detail of that. And actually, more specifically, <laughs> he says, if, if, if you feel like you're going to die, you should pray because everybody should pray before they die. So... <laughs> No, Apparently there I was that out of my memory. Yeah, no, I remember it all and more. Trust me. 
Okay, so we did that once during our five days. Imagine doing two of those a day. So you do one at sundown, and then you stay up the entire night, and people are singing and chanting, and you're standing for like six, seven hours. And then you do another one of those Temescal ceremonies in the morning afterwards while you're not eating and, or sorry, yeah, not eating, just drinking basically water and honey. So as you can start to see now, it was one of the most exhausting, really, really, really hard things I've ever done. But it was neat. I will say, I thought it was 180 people. It was 180 people who were there for their first year of doing this. You're supposed to go back for, you know, four years in a row. There's people who have been there for eight, nine, 10 plus years. And it's, it was 600 women doing this experience and chanting and doing all these things. So I was there, my friend who was there with me said, it almost felt like we were witnessing something in National Geographic. And because you'll never see, you know, pictures or videos of this online, it was really special and really cool to witness. I kind of felt like, so I don't speak Spanish fluently. I could understand some things, but I almost felt like I was an onlooker, sort of like trying to be a part of it and understand it. And I wasn't quite connecting to everything that they were connecting to, but it was really like, you know, as you've, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you've heard just, you know, my favorite part of travel is just having these experiences and understanding different, you know, spiritual things and rituals and ways of life. So anyway, that's, that's what I'll give for it. It was, it was harder than I ever could have imagined, but really beautiful and really cool. For the majority of our audience, I'm just going to have to preface this all and say, this is digital nomading on hard mode. This is, yeah, uh, this is unusual. This is, but however, <laughs> going back to an episode that we had two ago, episode number 66, where we talk about, or 64, where we talk about some of the benefits that we didn't realize were benefits of being a digital nomad. This is one of those things yeah. where you're just not, yeah. you're just not likely to do that as part of your two to three weeks of vacation per year. So this is just kind of one of no. those things where, and, and yeah, I've run into other people that have, you know, done Similar things. Ayahuasca sounds like a, a similar type of like cleansing experience. Yeah. Uh, people that do the, uh, what is that, the Pasana? Is the silent retreat? What's that called? Yeah. Uh, Vipassana? Pasana. Or, yeah. Vipassana. Vipassana. <laughs> We're butchering this, but 10 day silent retreats, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again, just things that you'll run into as a digital nomad that you're not quite seeking out. Yeah. And not everybody does. I love these, but yeah, that was the gist of it. Anything new on your end in Columbia before, before we get started on our seven round? No, no exciting developments over here. Nothing, nothing compares to that. (laughs) (laughs) Just living. You're just living the digital nomad life, hanging in Columbia, enjoying yourself. It's, you know, it is really nice about it. It's, it's not quite as exciting as that, but this month they've got Medellin Gourmet and all the restaurants submit their best food that they have of like on their on their menu and they just do like this prix fix menu set menu kind of prefix. thing prefix prefix, prefix. <laughs> oh we got pasna pasana prix fix you're killing Moon. it you're killing i'm on fire <laughs> halfway Winter through treats, it, all the be, things. Yes. i'm halfway through like i'll be firing on all cylinders by the time we're over yes <laughs> jeff ordered some part of yeah i think your favorite part of columbia is the food delivery so jeff <laughs> had some coffee delivered to him right before we started this episode so. don't even have to leave the condo <laughs> it's great exactly why do you go That's to medellin so you can you also don't have to leave you the can condo. also <laughs> yes that can be your digital nomad life too all right, All right, let's get started, Jeff. You want to you want to read the first question? Do you want me to read? I'm going to read it to you. Okay, you read it. Okay. Question Ready. number one from you, the audience, about being a digital nomad. What are some of the most curious things you've seen as you travel as a digital nomad? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh gosh, this is yeah. There's no preparation for the, for these questions. Honestly, I feel like this this past week was up there for it to witness mm. 600 women like wearing all the same white thing with all these instruments and like yeah, that was one of the more curious things I have witnessed. For me, as I think about it, I mean, I've seen. We were just on a meeting before Jeff Diego and I. And Diego sent us a picture of this. We're like mid-sentence. He was like, oh my God, there's this bug that I have like never seen before. It was really creepy and weird. So when I think about curious things I've seen, it could range from all sorts of like weird animals and like snakes and bugs and like lizards and all the things. But I guess like I could go that route. I've seen lots of like weird people doing weird things. But I feel like for me, as I answer this question, it's going to be the weird spiritual experiences that I've purposefully seeked out and done so I think about back to Nigeria going to several oracles I think I've shared some of this on one of like Mm -hmm. our weird adventure podcasts but I was in a cave with this like 90 plus year old woman who was sort of like reading my fortune type of thing and she had these like puka shells like those little ocean shells that she was like shaking and like would throw on the ground and like share you know she was like you need to go buy like you know, get the blood from a goat and like this amount of money and these things and like make a sacrifice. So, you know, like that kind of thing. Also that same day in Nigeria, I went to a different Oracle and afterwards we had to like, he had a whole, we're like inside this hut and imagine like a flower bed sort of like built in flower bed outside of like that ran around the whole outside of it. But instead of filled with like soil and flowers, it was filled with decaying chickens that they had sacrificed and like a previous, you know, things like that. I would just say, you know, my list goes on and on and on and and those weird things because that's, I kind of seek those things out. But I would say some of the most curious things I've seen are, or in that realm. Mm-hmm. I could go on, but those are the examples I'll give. What about you? <laughs> it's kind of, I kind of naturally went the same animal route too. Like, yeah. But first thing that comes to mind is bugs. Just because, yeah, because you're used to, you're used to your bugs. Like, okay, little ants, yes. whatever, little moss and stuff. You're not used <laughs> to seeing these big old, like Costa Rica comes to mind always. These big yeah. old, like Mothra bat sized moths that come flying in the house that look like a hummingbird yeah. those did you ever get one of those big flying beetles it's like the size of your hand it's like you guys oh, can't see it yes. I'm, I'm holding in, my hand, in but... panama oh yeah, yeah they've got those too. i guess we're probably talking about the same ones in panama it's like the size of like my fist with just this giant like beetle thing i feel like everything was like gigantic thing there looks like a forklift yeah. front yes <laughs> yeah oh, yes. i'm with you um so the bugs and uh, you know what another thing that jumps right out there is sacrificing the baby, the llama fetus. That was a pretty yes. strange one. And maybe you need a little maybe 20 seconds of context. I was like, that you was, need a little context A little there. 20 I seconds of context. That. That, was, that was part of the ayahuasca retreat. It was already a dead llama fetus. We weren't killing anything, just so everybody knows. But it was also a traditional it's ceremony. It's basically like a miscarriage. They yeah. have these llama fetuses that like they were never going to live, but they think of them as the most pure things. And you can mm-hmm. see them sold all over Bolivia. But yes, there was one sitting in our ayahuasca like retreat place and one of the ceremonies we did yeah it was it was sacrificed as part of mm-hmm. like i think it was like the spring equinox or something like it was. that like or some equi- fall i don't know yeah it was a traditional ceremony but well not so traditional but to us at least yeah but. i've told people about that one and they were like what yeah <laughs> that was a weird that's a weird that thing. was a curious curious thing we saw i I think that's good. I don't want to talk about bugs yes. anymore or weird animals. Right? I know. We'll go on. I wasn't Dude, expecting the question no. to go about that, but that was, that was a fun little answer. No, no. Okay, yeah. Right, you should give, we go on to question number two? Yeah, you give me the second one. 
Okay, Jeff, what is your favorite off-the-radar nomad location that will likely be a hotspot in a few years? This is a really good question. Ooh, I've got two, and I was actually talking. <laughs> You're going to hate the first one. It's Bucharest. Oh, no. I think I... No! It's, cause it's, this is a lie. Because it sucks. Don't listen to Jeff. I feel like it sucks <laughs> so bad right now that it's not. And it's not oh because it sucks so bad. You know what I mean? Like, how do you know it's going to be... <laughs> Okay, so I've got a theory behind it. How do you know what's going to be a digital can you say nomad B- location? Where, can you tell someone where Bucharest... Well, okay, answer that question and then tell us where Bucharest okay, is. Bucure- how do you know it's going to be a digital nomad location? Yeah, so, so like, we'll, we'll reverse order that. Okay, so Bucharest is the capital of Romania. And Bucharest is ugly. <laughs> Sorry, Bucharest. Yes, it's ugly. it feels like you've gone back into Soviet Union time, like decades ago and it has not changed yeah yeah and like they didn't renovate anything so maybe even worse no cement buildings falling down yeah yeah it's a strange place okay there is a progression that happens with digital nomad locations (laughs) the very first thing that you see are hipster cafes right you you bring in the hipster cafes and then you bring in people with laptops because people with laptops like fancy coffee so they've got Phase number one down. They've got the hipster cafes, all right? And there's a couple other pre-requirements that you need to have. You need to have good internet and you need to have lower costs of living to attract this type of audience. It's got, boom, coffee, low cost of living, (laughs) laptop friendly and good internet. Okay, you don't, most people don't like, you're trying to predict the market. Nobody can predict the market. Nobody really has any idea because it isn't what it is yet. But I'm telling you, I'm predicting the market and this is what it is. It's coming. Oh my God. It's coming. I hope in a decade we're talking and Bucharest is like the hippest nomad spot. And anyone in Mark Jeff is going to be like, words. <laughs> I told you, Marissa. So that's my <laughs> So Jeff shot. and I, for context, Jeff and I lived in Bucharest at the same time. I guess it was about a year ago, exactly. And then Diego was weirdly actually there a couple of weeks, like for a month after us. And it's definitely one of my least favorite places I have ever lived as a nomad. But I went because Jeff and like some of our friends were there and we were all sort of like in the in Eastern Europe and needed a place to go as as nomads do. So it was a strange place. And I don't like cities. It was like a it was, you know, it's a it's a big city that's big not city. pleasant to look at. Yeah, it's a but I think it's funny, Jeff, as you say that. So your prerequisites, as you're saying that, I'm like, I guess that your logic is making sense. But when I think about it, I think, and I feel like this is one of Diego's favorite topics to talk about is the way he sees it starting is not just like a coffee shop and hipster places, but it's a lot of times the sort of like the people who don't need Wi-Fi find great places that don't have Wi-Fi, but they're really cool. It's more like hippie places, not hipster. So it starts like a backpacker place. Yeah, yeah, it's like a backpacker place yeah. and people are living out of vans and sort of mm-hmm. just chilling and they don't need Wi-Fi. So like we can't get there yet because we can't work there. Mm-hmm. And then people start going there and it gets talked about and then people bring in Wi-Fi mm-hmm. and then the nomads come and then it just becomes like a popular vacation spot later. So anyway, that's how I think about it. And that's what one of my answers would be. It'll go. But what was your what was your second place? Oh, second place. I mean, the first one's a, a sleeper pick. That one's a high odds. I'm, I'm taking that's going to be like need 20 to, years. from now. Yeah, I need I need to, I need odds on that bet. The the first one or the oh second one is actually it's on its way. It's it's going to happen. That'd be San Cristobal. And I've talked about that on this podcast before. It, and explain where that is for someone very, who's listening. The, the southernmost part of Mexico, you're pretty close to Guatemala. It's in the it's in the state of Chiapas. So it's actually pretty high in elevation. I think meters wise, it's like 2,500, 2,600. So it's pretty cool. Like, I mean, it never really got above like 
70 yeah. Fahrenheit, anything like that. But it kind of checked those boxes that you're talking about. It was mostly just like a hippie backpacker type of place. And you can still yeah. see that all over the place. Yeah. But, you know, you're seeing a lot of the hemp shirts <laughs> everywhere. And it's, just, <laughs> and it's like a really cool, friendly place to hang out. And and now, yeah. like like Diego talked about, now the internet's starting to come and people are starting to discover it. But it's still not all that accessible. I mean, it's a good hour, hour and a half of a bad throw up taxi ride to get there it's not a from what's the closest airport oh god like the Tux- big airport Tuxla? where would you fly into Tuxla, i think what? yeah exactly so I've it's not it's really that. not that it's really not that accessible <laughs> right but it, it, everything else that you're looking for the food's great it's insanely cheap it's probably the cheapest yeah. place i've ever been to wow. and it's just really really friendly and it's just a cool it's a cool place because there's so many different things to do going like boat rides underneath this like they call it the Christmas tree. It's just basically this formation from this waterfall that's formed out all of these different like rock formations. And it looks exactly like a Christmas tree. So you just go underneath it, dodging alligators on the banks and stuff, which is pretty cool. And yes, you go underneath this. it and you just see this spray of water coming all over the top of you. It's just like, it's kind of like a Lord of the Rings movie moment oh, wow. kind of thing and it's just cool. but there's like a dozen things like that to do every single weekend and yeah this one's coming you see, they've got uh, they've already got one co-working cafe there where you pay for as okay. as an actual co-working space so this this one will definitely be on the map that one i'd put my money on all right i support this answer more than bucharest <laughs> <laughs> But I love, this is why I love these conversations. And Jeff and I also, for those of if you're listening, always have like very different opinions about everything, mm-hmm. but, but get along. And it's like fun it's in, a, in a fun way. So anyway, I love these conversations because we're, we never have like the same two things in mind. We never have the same places mm-hmm. or same ideas. So you're going to get totally different views from us on everything. And that's why we hope that you enjoy this because maybe you're more like Jeff or more like me. So there's something for everyone here. We'll never agree. <laughs> Never, never. I love it. So um, with that, give me yours. Okay. So the first one that comes to my mind is Holbosch, which is oh, one of my all-time favorite locations in the world. Okay. It is in Mexico also. And so it's close to, Can- you'd fly into the Cancun airport. You have to drive about two hours from there, a little bit north. And then you have to take a 15-minute ferry, uh, maybe a little bit like a 15, 20-minute ferry from this small little town where it's almost like it's like mud roads. Like there's some chickens on the side of the road. Like there's two little ferry ticket windows and that's about it. There's like no food or stuff like that. So when you get there, there's no cars. It's only like golf carts, but it's the most beautiful, like miles and miles stretch of like white sand, like really shallow blue. It almost looks like you're in the Caribbean, but you're you're just in Mexico there and there's like the sandbar you can walk forever. Like you're up to your ankles or your shins walking for like miles and miles and miles. And it's just beautiful. But the Wi-Fi is like for me right now, it's more of like you have to go as a vacation or a long weekend. Like you almost can't work because the Wi-Fi is so bad there. So for now, it's just kind of like a little unknown. I almost these are some of the places where I'm like, I almost don't want to share them on the podcast because I want to stay mine forever. But we're we're sharing our secrets with you. So anyway, so yeah, Holbosch is it's just like this awesome small little beach island. And I do think as soon as Wi-Fi becomes a thing, like all those people who or implied Del Carmen. I think about it as like Tulum, which to me used to be one of the most special, cool places in the world. You know, 10 years ago is a fucking nightmare now, logistically, traffic, financially, all the like 
the people, all the things. So Holbosch, it, Holbosch to me is the like that place Tulum. that Tulum used to be. Yeah. Hey, they get Starlink so out there. You might be set. That's what I'm saying. Huh? I feel like well, everyone in the world when Starlink exists, it's just gonna like you can nomad anywhere. Mm-hmm. Gonna, but maybe that will spread everyone out, and nowhere will be like so crazy popular. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so Holbosch is my number one. I've got two other just small ones. I won't go into much about, but the Gili Islands in Indonesia. So they're about two plus hour fare or you know, boat ride away from the main island of Bali. There's these three little small islands that are beautiful amazing again the wi-fi like you can kind of just start working there it's a newer thing but i think that will be a popular more popular spot a bunch of those islands in indonesia and then you would almost speak to this one more i haven't been because of this issue is puerto escondido which i feel like as soon as there's solid solid wi-fi which is just starting to get there it's just gonna take off even more and that's also in mexico yeah that one that one you can see definitely because i was there about three years ago and it definitely started off as that backpacker type of thing yeah and yeah the the wi-fi was terrible like i i had to go into i can't even say it around diego i was there with diego and i and i had to leave diego's spot (laughs) to go to selena to get good wi-fi and Uh... oh man i don't think he looked at me for a day one time i've never seen diego (laughs) mad i'm like i i don't tell you i'll get fired I will end our friendship over Wi-Fi, Diego. That's what digital nomad life comes to. That's what it comes to. Okay, let's... let's, so funny. We've we've hit that question. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, okay. Let's go to question number three. In what ways do you think travel has changed you as a person? Oh, God. All right. I feel like this is the one I was supposed to ask first. So, no, you get to answer this one. Oh, no. Oh, you were asking Uh me. Oh, my gosh. Okay. In what ways do I think travel has changed me as a person? (laughs) Jeff is like, don't go talking for an hour. Give me me a tight three Um, minutes. I'm going to give you just a super short one, I think, for this one. I th- I think it's just made me more culturally open in understanding, like, for people who, if you, so Jeff and I are both from the U.S. Diego represents us. He's lived in all the foreign countries from Germany, all the things. But you have me and Jeff today. So I would say, like, growing up in the U.S., and I think you and I were probably better than most, Jeff, but it's just people have such a U.S.-centric mindset about everything where it's like America is, like, the best at this and the best at that and the best at this and has the best healthcare and so on and so on. And I think for me, I mean, the travel has changed me in many, many ways, but I think just leaving and not only being in other countries, but traveling with so many other people and making such amazing friendships and getting to know people so well, you know, who have come from other countries, not just, you know, like where we, the people we went to college with or whatever. I I just have realized so much that like, you know, it's like healthcare is better everywhere else. Like there are other ways to live, other ways to think, other ways to be. And to me, it just to, to be open and understand how other people have grown up and their cultures and what they've learned and like there's other ways to do things to me it's just yeah in short it's like there's other ways to to live life and Mm. I think I've changed a lot just understanding that from living in other cultures and making friends with people from other countries so I could go on and on forever in a million ways but that's that's we're going to keep it to what about you it's kind of what we talked about last time some of the benefits that we've gotten out of it yeah and uh, yeah culture that's exactly the same place that I'm going to go and okay. yeah, what are the, one of the main things is like, I've experienced a lot of personal benefits. A lot of the things that I've done mm-hmm. personally have been incredible. Mm-hmm. But as a person, I think, I think is the spirit of the question. How have you changed as yeah. a person? It's, it's definitely, yeah, opening your eyes to different ways of living, different ways of interpreting the world and yeah. not thinking that you've got, we're very, very insulated in the United States. Like we have, we've got a neighbor that speaks English to the North. We're, we're not so dis 
dissimilar from. And then we've got Mexico down to the mm-hmm. south, where most people from the states go to for vacation and come back. So we are very, very insulated in language and in customs and, and culture and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it became really, really clear to me how much I had changed when I came home from my first major digital nomad trip years ago. And I talked yeah. to an old high school friend and he asked me, well, what, where did I go? I think I went to Columbia. And he's all, why'd you go to Columbia? I'm like, and that didn't even occur to me. I was like, well, of course, why, <laughs> why would you not? I, I think I responded that way. It's like, why would you not? He's all, well, because they speak a different language and everything, you have everything that you need here. And I'm like, oh no. Oh wow. And it, it immediately became clear to me, like maybe I was this person at one point in the past, I, I don't, or maybe a probably a much muted version of that, but maybe parts of me thought those things in the past. And now I'm so, so different from what I was back then that it's unrecognizable. And I I don't have a lot of things I can relate to with some of these people that I used to know. So yeah, I'd I'd say it's, if you just sum it up into a couple of words, it'd be just like being more open to yeah. different points of view on how to live your life, yeah. really. And again, yeah. not thinking that the U.S. is the best, because in many ways, it is absolutely not. It's very, very yeah. good yeah. in many ways. And there are a lot of things I miss about the States when I leave, but there's a lot of things that I do not miss and I actually quite dislike when I'm not there. Same. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Look at us. Look how fast we We did pretty that good. That's a, that's a whole <laughs> podcast question. Yeah, it is. We're, we're getting good. All right. All right. Next me. question. Jeff. Yeah. This is a, I'm, I'm so excited to see how you answer this one, actually. Next one is, are there any travel hacks you can offer? So this is a big one. I feel like you can go so many ways. So maybe Ooh. like pick what are like one or two that come to your mind. Any travel hacks you can offer? <sighs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is one that would be so fun to prepare, like do, you know, actually prepare ahead of time. But I usually, thinking, my, okay, curious. so the direction my brain is going to go okay. right off the bat is. <laughs> Where's it going? It, I'm so excited. Logistics. <laughs> Actually, logistics. Yeah, uh, yeah, me too. Immediately, I'm going to where are you going to book your spot, and are there ways to do that in a smart way? We actually we we covered that pretty good booking locations and stuff. So my my, my big travel hack is I research places pretty well before I get there, so I understand like I so I don't end up in a place where I don't want to be from a safety perspective and also from like a quality of life perspective. So before I go anywhere, I'm Googling where's the best places to stay. Like how noisy is it going to be? I see you writing down notes already. You've got, con- <laughs> I can hear I'm it. Trying to find, You're using I'm using a not, marker. I'm trying to you? find a po- I am not. I'm looking at my phone at our podcast. I'm trying to find oh, the okay. episode that we talked about. Booking locations, Jeff. I'm not cheating. it was go in on. the mid fifties. <clears throat> say if not. Okay, I'll go back Anyways. while you're looking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's booking booking locations. And really, for me, a lot of it comes down to researching the location beforehand, just understanding where on the map you are geographically, how close you are to stuff. Like, can I get to the shopping mall? Um, can I get to food? Can I get to cafes very easily? Or am I super landlocked? I, just, I can't get anywhere right. without a cab. And that sucks. So for me, that is number one. I need to be able to get to the stuff that I need in order to enjoy my time. Some people like being out like away from the noise and and, like (laughs) taking a taxi to everything. I don't. So my travel hack is just like get a feel for the lay of the land. and And a really good way to do that is like you've talked about this before. Just ask people that have recently been there because landscapes change really rapidly, like especially here in Medellin. Like 
I was yeah. just recommending Poblado to people six months ago. Now that's changed. Now I recommend different places. So like, yeah, talk to locals on the ground and then book a really good spot. And then I think the, the pieces start to fall after you do that. Yeah. That's good. It's funny you say that. So my friend Emma, who was actually on the podcast, like way, way back, one of the first episodes, she was listening to our, I didn't even know she listened. So shout out to Emma if you're listening. But she sent me a message last night. She was like, I'm going to go to Playa del Carmen probably like in November, December. And she was like, where do you recommend I stay? I'm looking to be like where locals are, good cafes. You know, she gave me her kind of criteria. And I sent her a map and I was like, here's where all my safe spots are. You can kind of see the bird's eye view, stay in between the street and the street. Like here's like be as close to this thing as you can. So yeah, the travel hack is is on and living and yeah, that's a great one. And as I answer, Jeff, maybe I'm so bad at finding the episodes, but if you can find the episode where we talked about finding a place to book and we can give a number, I'm, I'm going to let you find that. But any other travel hacks? Was it just the one or should I, should I go? Do you have anything else in mind? I, I guess the next thing would be, and what's always huge for me, is just figuring out your Wi-Fi situation. So I always, always travel with a backup plan. Like, so travel hack number one, message the host of the Airbnbs. You don't want to get stuck somewhere with for a month like I was in Florence. Yeah. But I couldn't work. I couldn't work. Yeah. It's like you could get fired. You could <laughs> you could lose income. That's really, really so yeah, messaging your host of your Airbnb, especially if you're booking a place long term that you haven't been to yet. And then traveling with your backup stuff, like your backup MiFi device, your backup charger stuff, having a backup charger for your laptop, just like having yeah. your technical house in order. Because having to worry about that just adds so much unneeded stress if you just go a little bit more prepared. That's pretty much, I mean, yeah, travel hacks, that's that's a podcast. It's like a 50 minute podcast, but those are just the- so many we could give. Yeah. I feel like it'd be really fun for me and Diego just to talk because we probably all have different ones. And sometimes I feel like we share them and like, even we don't know them all. We've been traveling for like, I feel like I've been traveling for like 10 plus years, mm-hmm. but for mine, I think these are going to be such random ones that come to mind. The first one, I actually learned this from this guy I met on a plane traveling from the Philippines to Cambodia. We're exiting the planning plane and going through customs together. And so if you think about if you're going through customs lines and it's not just one long kind of like snaking line, you kind of get to like choose your, you know, like, like there's, there's single file lines for different customs, you know, little mm-hmm. windows, I guess you would say. And he said, always go to the one at the very end. So a lot of times like a bunch on the end will be closed. So let's say there's like 20 different boxes you can, you know, go through customs and four are open right now. He said, always go to the one on the end where there's more open afterwards. Because he said, every, almost every time, the guys are going to like open a couple more windows when things get crowded right there. And if you're on the end, brilliant. you get to, and Jeff doesn't even know this That's one. Brilliant. You get to like run into the next one. And so every time, sometimes the line is longer and I was like, oh. all right, I'm going to do it. And almost every time they open up a new line, I'm like the first one to get there. So that was a surprise one. That's awesome. So yeah, shout out to my friend if you're listening. So that's one. Another one is for carry-on luggage. If you are, so, you know, you get to bring your, I travel everywhere with a carry-on and a backpack, but there's a little trick. If you if you have an oversized backpack, almost like sometimes if, if like on those little small budget airlines, like they're always going to take your suitcase and like weigh it and see if it fits in their little box to like put on carry-on. They'll charge you a ton because it never does. But if you have like all your stuff in a backpack, even if it's bigger and even if it's overweight, if it's on your back, somehow they just like never really check it. So anyway, that's always been one. I just traveled to when I just traveled to Mexico City, so for this for, for uh, my witch retreat, as Jeff calls it, I had a carry-on and a backpack that was about the size of a carry-on. And it, like I had, uh, so I was camping at this event. I had like camping gear, a tent, a sleeping bag, like all this stuff I never travel with. 
And I literally walked on carry on like with with like both of these bags and you can save a lot of money that way. And just mostly for me, I like to have my stuff on me so I don't lose it. So there's that. And then the last one I'll offer, it's more of a flight hack, like a, a flight price one. I think I talked about this on one of the episodes way, way back, probably in the 20s about ways to book cheap flights. But there's a, a website called Skip Lagged. And basically, if you have carry-on baggage is the only way this works, but you put in where you're coming from and where you want to go, and it will look to see if there's flights where maybe that's like a layover through there instead of a final destination. So for example, I think the one I talked about in the podcast way back, I was flying from Madrid, from Spain, getting back to Atlanta, like to the States for, I think I was coming up for a wedding or something. And I booked a flight basically to New Jersey, but the layover was in Atlanta. And I booked it for like $180 or something. And I just don't get on that last leg, but it will find those weird flights for you. So those are hmm. three totally random travel hacks just for off off the top of my head. I'm sure we've got a lot. Just just thought of a, a couple more just as far as like, oh All right. I know fire. it's going to be go. quick. It's just going to be three <laughs> things as far as packing things that I've screwed up and not packing, bring a backpack with you always. Like, even if it's not, even if you don't have your roll up backpack, something for like a day bag, you're just going to end up buying one. Definitely do that. Yeah. One of those really, really thin rain jackets. You have to bring one of those. I get wet every single, I forget to bring one. And every single time I go, God, I miss my own travel hack. It's so stupid. I always, I didn't know that was something you wouldn't bring. Yes, definitely. And then like, a lot of people forget to bring really, really comfortable shoes, like walk good walking shoes. Like I bring trainers with me everywhere, like it, yes, the tennis shoes yes. or something, because you have no idea. Like you, you'll probably end up going on a hike and you're probably going to be upset with your shoes. So it's worth the space <laughs> to just bring your most comfortable yeah. athletic pair of shoes possible. Yes. That's it. All right. We need a whole packing episode too. Now that we're on it. Packing All right. episode. Okay. Next. We have to get, take notes. Yeah. I know. Okay. Like... <laughs> the next one is me to you. Oh, it's perfect for you. Actually, this would be a terrible question for me and a great question for you. This works out great. Question number, what are we on? Five? It's question number five. Do you plan on traveling to every country in the world? This is like such a touchy subject for me. And I did record a whole podcast about it. I feel like we're just, I'm going to have to go back and find this one. I feel like it was one of the first, within the first 15 episodes for sure. But I did have a plan. So when I started nomading, I was not in any sort of way planning to travel to every country in the world. Never thought about it. Just wanted to like get to Southeast Asia really. And all the beaches. I would say I want to travel to every beach in the world. And then as I started traveling, it did become my goal at one point. I had this idea in me where I was like, I'm, I'm going all these places. I think I've been to over 75 countries now. And I was like, hell yeah, I, I say yes to everywhere. I do want to get, I do want to get to every country in the world. So that I would say like, if we change the question a little bit, would I like to? Absolutely. Last year, as I traveled through about 15 countries, like in Eastern Europe, And if you have listened to the podcast for a while, you know, I don't love Europe and I don't love cities. And I was doing all of these. I found myself in a basement Airbnb in Latvia because I was traveling too fast and didn't do my research. And it was in the middle of COVID and I was miserable and it was starting to be fall. And I was like, what am I doing in this basement apartment in Latvia (laughs) where the weather's not good? And I don't really care about being in this country so much. I'm sorry if you're from Latvia. I was in Latvia and Estonia and all these places. Some of these places, like same with Romania, it was like your favorite place to be. It wasn't mine. So it's nothing to, it's just like personal Mm -hmm. taste and personal travel of like, I, I just would rather be like on a beach or exploring Southeast Asia or like at a witch ceremony somewhere. You know, whatever it is. Anyway, po- 
point is, point is, I changed my goal to say, like, if I don't get to, I'm not forcing myself to go to countries just for the sake of going to countries anymore. And if I happen to get invited to somewhere or like it makes sense to go or there's a reason or an event, I still would like to get to all of these places. But I'm not one of those people anymore who's like, um, I'm just going to go to this country I don't really want to go to just for the sake of going. So Anyway, in my lifetime, I hope to get to every country in the world at some point. But if I don't, like, that's okay with me now. There's, there's like a lot of emotional baggage to unpack for me, but that's my answer. What about if you, Jeff? If you want to get into answer. that emotional baggage, it's episode 17. About, <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> about a year ago, you recorded that one. Yeah. I think you know my answer. It's a hard no. <laughs> no <laughs> desire. to go back not, to the same five places. So we're not not on my bucket list. No, nah, I want to mix in one or two a year or something like that. <laughs> I, I, I don't have any, no, I, I really, really like slow traveling and like by slow traveling, I mean like I want a good two to three months in any given place. I like going back to the places that I like, like, for example, again, I'm here in Medellin. <clears throat> I'll keep coming back here. How many times have you been there now? Uh, think about it. Six, maybe five or six at least. <clears throat> yeah, I've, which is cool to hear. I think for people listening, yeah, like you're going back to the same places that you that you like. Yeah, yeah in general, I'll spend about two to three months here at any given time. This time, I think about a month and a half, almost two months or so. So, yeah, it's just certain places that I really like. And no, no real desire to to travel to every. I don't. I don't have that on my list. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. But do you, I feel like for you, you, there's still like new countries you mm-hmm. would like to get to go to new places. Absolutely. But you, you would be, you would be happy if on your deathbed in a hundred years, not totally fine. To every country. And I'm totally fine. <laughs> just pacing that out and saying, okay, I'm just going to do one or two new countries a year. Totally fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Whereas I'm me. like, I got to do nah. like 15 new countries a year. Or I failed. <laughs> nah. Nah. I've changed some, but again, we travel in different ways. I feel like well, I still, there's still so many places. I just feel like mm-hmm. there's so many places I want to get to and explore that I feel overwhelmed. And I'm like, I, I want to go. I want to go everywhere. But way, yeah, we, we definitely very, very different. Like we are very different in that way. The, the way I feel about it is also when I go to a country, I feel like there's so many parts of that country to see. And like every single city is going to be different and really, really unique. And there's certain experiences that like, if, if I'm not there for the good two, three months, I'm just not going to get those, like those really cool. We talked about this before, those authentic experiences that we look for as digital nomads. I feel like this gives me more of an opportunity to have those within each country. And then when I'm, when I'm really, when I'm done with the country, I'm really done with the country. Like I've done it's <laughs> everything I've done all this stuff. yeah, yeah that's my even guy. thinking about mexico alone like i've been to mexico probably 15 times and it was the first time um, recently i was just in mexico city and these you know other parts of it so yeah there's so many parts of different countries to explore and i almost think about if i think about traveling you can either you know if you think about a job who's like maybe you are sort of good at a lot of things versus like an expert in in one deep topic. And it's sort of like that with travel too. Like as a nomad, you get to choose to be like, do you want to go to a country and go to all the places in that country and get to know it really well and spend a lot of months or, and keep going back? Or, you know, do you want to just, you know, spend a week in a hundred different countries and you learn different things, different ways. So like, there's no, I think, yeah, for if you're listening, the takeaway I would love for you to have is there's no right or wrong way. Like, listen, which do you like to do? Do you like to shallowly ex- like learn and explore hundreds of places or do you want to go get to know mm-hmm. a place deeply and then move to the next when you're ready? So, yeah, no right or wrong answer. Yep, yep, exactly. Okay, next one to me. Six. I guess for me to ask. Okay. Yeah, number six. Okay. This is a funny one. How do you deal with jet lag, especially when traveling quickly? 
Oh, in short? Jeff is like, you just don't travel quickly. (laughs) What is your answer for jet lag? Well, I mean, there's some of them. When I'm doing Latin America, it's fine. Doesn't matter. Like you're jumping. What's the furthest? You go out to Argentina, Brazil, and you'll go like the most, I think, is West Coast to like deep East Coast. So five hours would be the maximum. And I don't even think that's enough to get jet lagged. I mean, you really sure it is. Maybe I, I generally. I mean, it's not like opposite time of day, but you could get jet lagged going from like from Atlanta to California. Like I, I generally from East Coast to West Coast. Maybe I'm not the best. I generally don't get jet lagged. I, I guess the, okay. The, the, the my I guess my best recommendation if I'm if there's a situation where I definitely will get jet lagged crossing yes, crossing a pond. Check. Like okay, so if I'm heading heading to Europe, which is really hard because you're heading you're heading ahead of time, always heading that far. East heading east is always harder because you're going into future time and you're missing you're missing you're basically missing time and you're restarting <laughs> like whenever I go it's somewhere east to west it's much easier because you're going back in time and you're not missing anything anyways so, yeah I think it's harder yeah. the other way around but go on uh, okay we disagree on everything as we promised <laughs> you'll, you'll you'll have your moment it's it's almost your turn. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go, go on. So if I'm if I'm heading that far east, what I try to do is just stay up as long as possible and then finally crash when it's time to crash. Because it's really, really tempting to like when you're flying most of these routes, it's unavoidable. You're gonna take an early morning flight, like say from San Francisco to landing in France, and you're generally gonna land in their morning. So you got like a full day has happened basically so you leave in the morning you arrive in their morning it's very tempting because you haven't slept in 20 something hours to just take a nap probably not a good idea the best thing for me my travel hack is just stay awake until your normal bedtime whatever that takes just walk around take whatever take a cold shower do whatever you got to do and then finally crash around like 9 10 o'clock at night and then just start on their cycle as opposed to like trying to ease into it over a series of days that just tends to be prolonging your um your fatigue and your and your jet lag i find so just jump straight into the routine the, the way you normally would and that first day might just kind of suck a little bit so jeff for once i actually agree <laughs> i feel like my tip was going to be the same tip so we disagree of which direction is harder okay. i think it's harder to go west when you're when i'm coming usually back home places but i would have the exact same advice <laughs> shockingly <laughs> We agree, mm-hmm. Jeff, on on what I would say, which is, yeah, whichever way you're going, do the best like on the plane. It's, sometimes it's confusing to try to calculate, but try to sleep. Like if you're leaving at 1 p.m. from wherever you are and it's like already nighttime somewhere, like try to just go to sleep right when you get on the plane. Or if you're, you know, if you're getting on the plane and it's the middle of the day, even though it's your middle of the night, try to stay up until it's you know time to sleep on, on that side. So that's like when you're actually on the plane. And then as Jeff said, when you hit the ground, if it is still daytime, do your best. Even if you were like, I've been up for 36 hours at traveling and I'm exhausted and I want to sleep, like do everything you absolutely can to stay up until it's like at least, mm-hmm. you know, 9 p.m., 10 p.m. ish, like whenever you would normally go to sleep at that time you know, in that location. So yeah, get out, walk around, do some jumping jacks, like yeah. whatever you can, like stay you might feel awake like hell, and try to just... But- 
you you'll will, feel better. Yeah, but you'll be so grateful because then you'll get a full night's sleep usually because you're so exhausted and you're, you're mm-hmm. kind of getting on that time zone as soon as you can. I would say, you know, like drink a lot of water, try to eat meals at the times where you will be eating. People say, I don't know, I have no science to back this up. These are, again, like unchecked facts by Jeff and Marissa, but people say <laughs> it takes about an hour. For every hour of time change, it takes about one day for your body to adjust. So if I'm going from... To like to really fully adjust. I'm not saying you can't like function. Jeff's looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm not saying you can't function and be, you know, like you can stay awake and do the things, but your body, like your circadian rhythm, your body, your functioning, your cells are not quite right until Uh, it's it's like an hour a day. Jeff's like, all right, maybe that's a long time. We're gonna have a segment. We'll just call it Jeff and Marissa's half-ass internet research. These are facts that I've like heard at some point in my life. I believe that that's true. So maybe we'll have like, if you have like a sleep expert on, like there's, it, it really does affect your body. So I think the question here was like, when you're traveling quickly, I think for us, we would say that's the point of being a digital nomad is so you don't have to like get to that time zone that's 12 hours ahead. And then by the time you've just adjusted, come home, you get to like live a little bit. So our, mm-hmm. our travel hack is actually just don't travel so quickly through time zones. But yeah, when you're first like- somewhere, that's, that's the advice. Yeah. Okay. Is it your t- last, last last question? Are you asking this I'm one? I'm asking this one. Last one to you. Oh, we actually already kind of covered this one. How long do you, well, our answer is going to be completely different. So here we go. Yeah. How long do you usually <laughs> stay in one place? Yeah. This is a question I feel like a lot of people have actually written to us or, or asked in response to our podcast. We had so. that exact question asked just, I think a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. So I'm glad this one is on here, but Yeah, this will be different for everyone. For me, I would say it used to be like about a month as a nomad, like I would really stay like four weeks and and move on as I've been doing this for so many years. I think Jeff and I have seen a lot of our friends going through this phase where we've all been traveling sort of four, five, six, seven years even, where everyone's really wanting to slow down. So it's even, even for me, the fast traveler, it's starting to feel good to stay in a place for like two months. I would say I'm still good with two months at a time, three months, you're, you're pushing me. But I would say, I would say six weeks is like a good number for me at the moment. And then I'm ready for somewhere new. But I've been, you know, if I'm coming back to the States, it actually feels good to sometimes be there for two plus months and really like relax and recover because I've been doing fast travel for so long. So yeah, in short, I would say anywhere from a month, two months, three months, no, no less than a month in a place or we're just tired. But I don't mm-hmm. know. Sometimes I still do some quick travel, but that's that's ish where I'm at. There's no exact answer. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, same exact boat. That's a minimum of one month. Three months, I start getting a little bit itchy feet and I start wanting to hit the road. And then anything in between, like usually it's just kind of sporadic stuff. Like last year in Europe, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to pop over here for a couple of days, pop over yeah. here because I was already there. I, I hadn't intended on spending a lot of time there. I just wanted to see a couple of things. But like as a rule of thumb, yeah, I'm at the point where I want to hang out for a good month so that I can get that routine so I yeah. can get into a good rhythm with with eating, exercising, like finding the places I like to work and like to eat and all that kind of stuff. And usually it does take a few weeks to get, I'd say probably like a week or two to start to get a feel for an area. And then you the next couple of weeks get to really, really enjoy it and spend your time doing those things that you like doing. And then that could, that could last up to two, three months, like I said, on the high end. But yeah, I, I'd say a minimum of a month or so, unless you've got something really particular in mind. Like I want to go bomb over to this place and see something for like a couple of days or a week yeah. or something like that. But it's like, like strict digital nomading. Yeah. Maybe one to three months yeah. or so. 
the other places now I'm thinking more of it's like more vacation-y of like yeah I want to go to this event or do this thing or quickly see this country in between you know yeah. as a layover for a couple of days or in between like that's going to be our sort uh-huh. of quicker travel but other than that if it's yeah nomading I feel like I want to I want to be there at least a month to yeah, get the routine and do the things so we've made it through Jeff somehow <laughs> our seven questions seven rapid these fire are great I love these questions for. yeah so if you are if you have questions that you would love for us to answer on a future rapid fire question send them in to hello at beachcommute.com if you want to join our email list we send out tons of remote job offerings helpful tips info about when our new podcast episodes come in Check out beachcommute.com slash email to sign up and anything else, Jeff, that you want to know. Yeah. Also on Spotify, I think I mentioned this before, I'm going to leave open a blank spot in the Spotify. You can respond to questions directly and they'll, they'll go to the community. They'll go to us. And if you have any questions about anything, any of these questions that you want answered in a future version, I'm going to open that up in this episode and you can just type in your question directly in there. Other people can see it. We can see it and we'll definitely add it to the next seven because I I think these are a lot of fun. I think they're actually pretty helpful for people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we we tend to get quite a few downloads for these ones. So I think, I think you guys like them quite a bit. So participate as much as you want. Perfect. With that, we will see you next week. Okay. See you next week, everyone. Bye.